Saturday morning. It is time once again for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you today? I'm doing quite well, and I hope you are as well. I mentioned Indeed. this real early this morning, uh, Jack, about 1860. You know what was patented? No, the corkscrew. The, the corkscrew. You're absolutely right. The gentleman's name was M.L. Byrne of New York City. Just thought oh, I'd God that. bless Mr. Byrne. Yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what can we talk about today? Today I thought we might talk about the ABCs of wine, and that is anything but Chardonnay. You know, there's an awful lot of people. Chardonnay is the most widely planted white grape type in the entire world, and it has legions of followers. And it is a wonderful wine, but there are a lot of other interesting white wines that people should take a look at from time to time and explore outside the world of Chardonnay, starting with Riesling. You know, I really don't even know whatever happened to Riesling, but Riesling at one time was starting with Riesling. You know, I really don't even know whatever happened to Riesling, but Riesling at one time was one of the very most popular wines that that was around. German wines were just off the charts. Uh, we're talking 50 years ago. Uh, we used to sell uh, uh, containers about 1,100 cases, and we used to sell four or five containers a year of German wines. And today we're lucky if we sell one. And uh, it certainly, I think, was a deviation from semi-dry wines because Riesling is what I would call a semi-dry wine. Although they make a lot of Rieslings that are bone dry, very crisp, high acid, wonderful wines. But an awful lot of the ones that we remember, Leaf Brow Milk, Mosel Blumschen, and those are wonderful names, incidentally, uh, German Riesling, straight Riesling, are always a little on the soft side. In other words, there is some residual sugar in them. It's just simply one of the greatest white wine areas of the world. When you travel in Germany and you go up and down the Rhine or the Mosel River, uh, and you see those fabulous steep vineyards that are just so beautiful to look at, very hard, incidentally, to cultivate. Some of them have to be cultivated. Uh, they're, they're so uh, steep that the people that cultivate them are in harnesses and pulleys uh, to, to both harvest grapes and to cultivate the vines, uh, you you couldn't stand up there because you'd fall off the side of the hill. Uh, but uh, and there's a reason for that. You know the Germans have foisted their wonderful knowledge on the world of wine for years and years and years. In fact, at one time in the 1500s, German wines outproduced Italy, if you can believe it, by about four to one. I mean, that is an incredible thing. You know, the vines were originally planted by the Romans, and the medieval Germany, uh, the church and all that, spread that wine culture all over. And for many, many years, the really only educational places devoted to vineyards were in Germany. You'd have to go to the wine culture back in the 14th, 15th century, you had to go and enjoy that wine culture. And if you wanted to learn about the wine culture, you had to go to Germany. It was simply the headquarters. And 
Uh, anyhow, it's fallen into disrepair quite a bit in Germany today, and I don't understand it. You know, especially with something coming up like Easter, and a lot of people will have ham on Easter. If you had your choice of any wine in the world, a Riesling would be the best wine to have with ham. It just loves those smoked, salty flavor of ham, and it blends so well with it. And at any rate, uh, for some reason, it fell off in popularity. And while some people still drink Riesling, it's not very many. But it is another alternative to Chardonnay. And in my opinion, there's a one called Tannish's Riesling. It's bone dry and it's perfect. And if you have a smoked pork chop or ham or you're having smoked trout, a Riesling is just perfect to go with it. And those great estates of uh, Germany, the Mosul, as I said, has many, starting with Berncastler Doctor. And the reason it's called Doctor is the Bishop of Berncastler owned this estate and uh, he fell ill, and the manager of the wine estate said, you have to drink this wine every day, and he made him drink a liter a day, a little over a quart. And lo and behold, the bishop was cured, so he converted the name Doctor onto Burncastle, and Burncastler Doctor is one of the great wines of the Mosul. The Rhine has many great wines, too, Schloss Wohlrads, Hockenheim, Schloss Johannesburg, uh, and, all, and in Trier is where... Uh, the old university was in the 15th century where everybody who was interested in wine and the education of wine and learning about cultivation, etc., would go to the university there in Trier. So it, it was an incredible area of the world. It makes incredible wines and makes wines that we really shouldn't overlook. It's the northernmost wine-growing region in the entire world, and the the uh, Rhine River sort of acts as a heater and an air conditioner, if you will. Uh, in the winter and the colder months, uh, that river uh, heats up the valley and, and it's good for the grapes. And in the hot months, it acts as sort of an air conditioner. It's cooler. And so uh, German wines are really remarkable things. Uh, like I say, I'm guilty of it, too. I don't have them as much as I used to. But uh, they're wines that should be rediscovered because they are so enjoyable and uh, such a pleasant experience, particularly with certain dishes. And as I said, you know, an awful lot of our listeners uh, uh, next Sunday are going to be having ham. Why don't you try a, a Riesling with the ham for a change? You'll, you'll be very, very pleased with how well Rieslings marry uh, with smoked meat uh, and particularly pork. Just a delicious wine and very, very interesting. And, and our ABCs, anything but Chardonnay. The next most popular wine, white wine type, is, of course, Sauvignon Blanc. And Sauvignon Blanc finds its home. It comes from uh, the area around Bordeaux, where it's used as a blending grape. Uh, and it's blended with Semillon, which is another white wine that it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Uh, but... Uh, when you blend Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc, you basically get a white Bordeaux. And white Bordeaux, we've talked about this before, are just wonderful. In my opinion, if you were having lobster, 
the most wonderful wine you want in the entire world is a white Bordeaux. It goes perfectly with lobster uh, because the Sauvignon Blanc is tempered a little bit by the Semillon and the blending. So most uh, white Bordeaux are Sauvignon Blanc and Semillon. Some are more Semillon than uh, Sauvignon Blanc, and others are just the reverse. But it's a wonderful wine and shouldn't be overlooked. The other area where Sauvignon Blanc comes from, and I, we talk about that often, is Sancerre. And I always say Sancerre is Sauvignon Blanc with a college education. Sancerre is one of the most wonderful wines in all of uh, the French uh, lexicon of wine. Sancerre is a little town in the middle of uh, the Loire Valley, uh, and it produces absolutely heavenly wines called Sancerre. And if you're a Sauvignon Blanc fan and you've never tried a Sancerre, please do so. It's liable to become your current favorite. And Sauvignon Blanc is, uh, originally they think it was a wild grape in France, but the, the origins of all the different grape types are kind of in cloudy with a DNA, etc., they're a little more solid in how they predict where the wines came from. But they, Sauvignon Blanc came from a, a Sauvage grape type, which is a wild grape type, and it was indigenous to France, and as I say, very popular. Today, Sauvignon Blanc goes all over the world, South Africa, Chile, and of course we'd be very remiss, uh, Australia, and we'd be remiss again if we didn't mention New Zealand, because New Zealand, uh, ex, of the wines made in New Zealand, 85% of them are Sauvignon Blanc. So, well, it's a major wine-producing country. Just think that that one grape type, one varietal, counts for 85% of New Zealand wines. And it is really a delicious wine when uh, it comes from down under there. Uh, a lot of people say it has a vegetal characteristic. Well, it, indeed it does, but that's a very desirable thing, I think. And that Sauvignon Blanc with that crisp acidity, etc., is absolutely delicious. And it's now made, of course, in the United States a lot. Uh, our good friend uh, who produces Tobias wines, uh, Foreman, uh, produces a Sauvignon Blanc that I find is absolutely a perfect wine to have. Not too long ago, we had a wonderful seafood salad, and we had that Tobias Sauvignon Blanc with it. Well, it was a marriage made in heaven. It was just fantastic. So you got Riesling and you got Sauvignon Blanc, and these are major, major grape types. Then the other white wines, and there's loads and loads of them, are, come along. Pinot Grigio, which uh, is extraordinarily popular and is popular all over Italy, every part of Italy, every part of it produces Sauvignon Blanc, and or, I'm sorry, produces Pinot Grigio. And those Pinot Grigios from Italy are really something else. And then, of course, we produce in this country Pinot Gris, which is just Pinot Grigio renamed in the United States. And, and, of course, up in Washington and Oregon, they produce some wonderful Pinot Gris that are delicious. You know, Pinot Grigio can run the gamut, as every grape type can, from bone, bone dry to a little sweet, uh, it depends on how it's vinified and where it's grown. And so when we look at Pinot Grigio, Italy, of course, is the 
motherland for it. And I think in many aspects, Pinot Grigio is best when it comes from Italy. There's just no doubt about it. They're masters at it. They've been producing it for centuries. And the Pinot Grigios they produce are terrific. I kind of like Pinot Grigio as an aperitif wine. In other words, when people are gathering, it's sort of a nice wine to serve as a starter. Uh, it gets people chatting and conversing, etc. And yet the wine isn't, isn't looking for center stage. It's a nice background wine. It's simple. And I think that's the joy of most Pinot Grigios. They're just basically enjoyable, not to be oohed, not over, just a good wine to enjoy and have a couple of gulps of uh while you're rating for kind of the main course, if you will, with the wine. And then, uh, as I said, everywhere in Italy produces Pinot Grigio. The Venetia, uh, Trentino, uh, Sicily, uh, the, down around Naples, they all produce Pinot Grigio, and it's all good. It usually is uh, runs a gamut from fruity and dry to minerally uh, and bone-bone uh, dry. And it really is a wine most people are familiar with. Again, Pinot Gris is it's a counterpart in this country, and uh, there's no difference in the grape, but there's a lot of difference in the wine. Believe me, uh, Pinot Grigio, I find, is more uh, acidic, more metallic, uh, crisper, and drier than Pinot Gris. Pinot Gris has a softer finish. Then there's all the other, well, we're talking about Italy, the white wines of Italy, Vermentino, Soave, Verdicchio, Asti, are all wonderful white wines that come from Italy. And uh, people just overlook them, uh, but they're available. And then we have uh, stuff like uh, Moscato and sweet wines like Chateau Yaquem, which is semi-un- principally with a little Sauvignon Blanc. Tokai, Tokai Essentia, which was a sweet wine, uh, kind of was the Viagra of the 1800s. Every monarch had a bottle of Tokai Essentia on his nightstand for to use as we would use a Viagra. Uh, from Austria, Gunter Veltner, a great white wine to have with uh or any kind of Oriental or Asian food, is just marvelous. Chenin Blanc, my favorite wine to have with Turkey. Vino Verde from Portugal. Uh, Viognier from France, which is from the Rhone Valley. Wonderful grape type. Have many, many applications. Gewürztraminer from the Alsace area. It's the most perfumed wine in the entire world, and absolutely a joy to have with any kind of... Asian cuisine, Gewürztraminer is. And from Spain, we get Albarino, Argentina, Torrentes, uh, Prosecco, which is now a grape type, was Galera from Italy. And uh, all these are anything but Chardonnay. And believe me, (coughs) pardon me, you'll be happy you tried it because these white wines are such a wonderful variety. If you don't believe me, try a little Riesling with your Easter ham, if that's what you're having, and you'll be pleasantly surprised, and maybe, maybe uh, we'll be able to say we moved the needle a little bit on consumption of Riesling around the world, because it is one of the world's great wines, as are all of these white wines that are alternatives to Chardonnay. Yeah, and they're all available at Haskell's. They are indeed. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. They love to help you pair wines, whether you're 
planning something for Passover or Easter or just planning a dinner for yourself, stop in and see the folks at Haskell's. They'll pick a perfect wine, and you know best of all, they'll help you pick a wine that will not break the bank. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big money on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell's in Fairboat right off of 35. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is a visit unto itself. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, unto itself. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver. All right, thanks, Jack. Let's talk again uh, next week on Easter weekend. I'm going to look forward to that, Denny. Thank you. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.